I thought we were going to battle more. We never, we're aligned. No, we're pretty aligned yeah. when it comes to stuff. You know that? I've educated you it's so a, well oh in the God. twilight of your career. Oh my God. Yes, in the twilight of my career, right? <laughs> right before you kicked the dirt on my <laughs> on the top of my grave. Yes, Josh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. That was a surprise. We were deciding what we were going to do next, and we I, and I landed on the intro. So here we are, introducing things. So, so folks, we, I think we have another series. Mm-hmm. We are the maestros of, of connecting Ooh, the dots lately. You wow. know that? We have been. We've been doing like twofer and threefer. You have the hair of a maestro. Don't start. Don't don't pick on my hair. <laughs> don't break the I'm microphone. Breaking the mic. You just spent a bunch of money on that microphone. I know. Don't break I know. It. I know. My hair. I need a haircut. Uh, Metacasters, and it's growing like it's it's doing the Q-tip thing. To yeah, I know. It's so exciting. A, you didn't have your hat on when I came in, and I felt like it was like a Beethoven type thing. Like if you were, to did I show you my black around. and white photo? Yes, you have, and it's wonderful. So that's that's an entry. That wasn't full Q-tip. That was like half Q. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't full Q, but it, but you can see where the Q was going. Yes. Okay, enough of that. So, Metacasters, Josh had a, uh, was it in the uh, stream, uh, hard bits or something? Yeah, just, just just talking about all of the hard things that come up. Maybe it's the first time you've got to do something, and it doesn't happen often. So, your capability to practice or be prepared is pretty low, but you have the responsibility to go do something. So we've got this series of things we're going to talk about, those hard things, trying to enable arm people with a little bit of experience and knowledge so they can be more successful than Bob and I were the first time we had to do these things. So I built some empathy too around it. So today's episode is around uh, hard feedback, uh, performance improvement, uh, and if you have to get there, uh, terminating someone. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where the episode's going. So on to the episode. On to the episode. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Thank goodness. We're we're together again, Metacasters. Yes. And you know what's been happening lately? We we like we bicker before the Metacast a little bit. We're like bickering and stuff. Is that like banter? Is that like sure? We'll call it banter. <laughs> it's banter. We're like we're like we're grumpy, uh, uh, grumpy old men or something like that. And then we then we get into the metacast. Yeah, and we're okay. We do. So we do. Maybe that's just. It's been difficult, Bob. Maybe it's just like foreplay or something like that. Why? Why? I had to. No, you didn't. I you did. did. You did not have I to. Didn't. <laughs> I didn't. But usually, as you know me, I use it. There's no filter, uh, right? That stuff just flows gosh. out. Yeah, that you did not have to. Yes. I just want to clarify that. No, you're you're right. I want to clarify that. You're absolutely <laughs> right. It was, it was a choice. It was uh, a choice that I made. All right. Was. Uh what do you want to talk about today? So we're going to start a series. We don't know how many episodes it will be. Um but something that came up that hit me last week probably and we discussed on the stream on Friday was the hard things or the shocking things, the moments in your career when you're presented with a thing you've never done before and you're responsible with making it happen, it doesn't happen that often. So how do you go practice it? 
And the likelihood of you having to do it again in the near future where you're going to get better the next time is relatively low because it will likely not happen for some number of years or maybe who knows for how long, right? But that's that's the thing as I think about discussions I've had with various people when they get in their career and they hit this like really difficult point. So I, so I want to see if, Bob, you and I can, over the next couple of episodes, whatever the right number is, help people that hit, hit this really tough spot of, oh my gosh, I've got to fire somebody the first time. I've never done it. There's no course. There's no, uh, the first time I did it, it was terrible. It's embarrassing. And I'll tell that story. Um, but with my, the length of my career, I've practiced it more and I'm more comfortable doing it. So the goal is that for those that are new in roles like this, that here's a, here's a bit of a roadmap on how okay. to navigate these difficult situations. So there's a brief list, Metacasters, and what I'd like to do, Josh, is couple two of them together, like handling a poor performer in your team and then firing a team member are two list elements. Why don't we put those together? Okay. Like handling the poor performer and then what happens if you well the so on that list, one was, hey, you are the responsible party for hiring and firing. Yeah. And the other is you're a team member and this person's just not getting it done. What, uh, what do I do? Who do I, how do I handle that? And how do I do it well and I think respectfully? I think we can interrelate. Yeah. I mean, it's feedback, yeah. right? At some, at least one area of it is providing them feedback. Mm-hmm. So poor performer in, in your team, on your team. So what do you think about? So I'd say it centers on, you know, providing. I think the challenging part of this, um, there's a Harvard Business Review article that talked about a survey where I think it was mostly focused on managers or leaders, but you can normalize it to everyone where like 70% of people have a hard time communicating with other people. Mm -hmm. And that, and that was like making social talk. So we, and it was, it was above introvert or extrovert. It was just people are generally uncomfortable talking to people. And then providing like having radical candor or crucial conversations takes it up three notches. So if you're, if I'm uncomfortable asking you how your dog is, Mm -hmm. right, because it, right, I don't, right, I'm a leader or whatever, or I'm a scrum master, then I'm really uncomfortable if I have to give you performance feedback in any way, like you're not cutting it. Uh, so, so it's just, so I think it starts with, it's incredibly uncomfortable for people in general. And and then I think people avoid the uncomfortable stuff, mm-hmm. and you get into this, you know, pass. You get into all of these patterns like passive aggression and things to sort of yeah. avo- avoid. Do you know what? I hope I'm making sense. So I think one thing is if you can pr- walk into providing feedback uh, and fight through all of that unease or discomfort, that's probably a good step. What do you think? Yeah, and I think. There's a large responsibility that falls on the organization to enable and empower these discussions to happen. I think what happens, it becomes a systemic thing where the leading part of the organization opts out of having the difficult discussion. So they don't set, they don't model the behavior of this is how you lead. This is how you help people grow. This is how you provide the feedback. And they likely are the most experienced people in the organization at leading groups. 
So now that funnels down to someone even less experienced. Right. And that fear and nervousness creeps in. It's like, well, I guess it's okay for me to not have this discussion because, you know, my boss doesn't. So I'll just keep avoiding the thing. So I think one of the more powerful things that can happen is that an organization attacks this head on and provides support and coaching and works very hard to create that safe space and almost, not almost, I think they should require that the discussions happen. And to me, that's a, that's a cultural norm that has to be established. And so often it's not, which leads us to this pattern where people avoid the hard discussions and then right. put people in really bad spots. It's um, in crucial conversations, there's a, like an elevator pitch movement and they talk about the one thing. Um, and the one thing I have a slide in it, in, in it that I share in a bunch of classes and I work through this. And really the one thing is, do you have the conversation or you don't? And if you boil the whole book down, it's like, what if you're afraid what if you suck? What if you stutter? What if you're nervous? What if you forget your words when you're nervous? Right. All of those things. So you come up, what if your family needs you? What if you have a vacation coming up? What if your boss calls you? What if your wife needs you to help cook? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Mm -hmm. Or you have the conversation. And the one thing is folks commit to having the crucial conversation. Yeah. Even if they suck at it, then they commit to getting better at it. Yeah. But having a sucky, crucial conversation is better than avoiding it and never bringing yeah. that up to someone. I hope you, that's, I agree completely. It's yeah. That, it's like the one thing and it's a trap for people because we find, because of all that discomfort, we find excuses for it. Um, I, and, and sometimes it's conscious. Sometimes it's not excuse behavior. I once, I once knew an agile coach and he was supposed to be coaching leadership. And and he and he just opted out. He's like, it just takes too much energy. Mm -hmm. He says they're they're too they're too hard headed, and it just sucks out too much of my energy. And I was incredibly disappointed with him because I'm like, you're getting paid lots of money mm -hmm. to do your freaking job, and your job is to have these conversations. And like opting out, I don't think is an option. I mm -hmm. mean, it is, but I don't think it's an ethical option for you. So in his case, it wasn't like, so what is that? That's like blatant avoidance. So it's like intentional avoidance, right? right yeah. It's like intentionally not doing your job. Uh, and I do think people, you could almost draw that correlation. I remember years ago, there was this young engineer who reported to an IBM guy, Jim Matzinger. I, I can't imagine he's still alive today. But Jim was like a 25, 30-year IBM vet, really senior uh, leader, and there was this guy, Peter, that reported to him. And Jim was going to fire him, but never gave him a bit of feedback. And and in Jim's case, it wasn't, you know, he had the skill. To me, it was laziness. Mm -hmm. To me, it was that malicious avoidance of having a crucial conversation, right? Right. right. Uh, so there's people that, I'm not giving them permission, but there's people that sort of opt out because they're scared and they're frightened. Uh, I can almost understand that more than people who have the skills but are just lazy. Yeah. And, and one thing, having interviewed a ton of people, everyone's practically begging, yearning for feedback. Like everybody comes to work and wants to get better. And they work with people that they likely respect a lot. That if a person sat down with them and coached them through something or provided a suggestion, I am 95% sure it would be received 
as wondrous and fat, fantastic feedback and thank you. You know, because everybody, everybody's going through the same thing. Everybody has imposter syndrome that they're wrestling with that somebody that's willing to put their arm around them and say, hey, I think I can help. Here's some thoughts that you might want to try out. It's very, very rare that that's received poorly. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I I, I think there is a percentage where it's received initially poorly, mm-hmm. right? Initially poorly, like at the point of attack. Uh, some people get defensive. Some people yeah. get emotional. Some people get, you know, they get into denial. They get aggressive. Um, but I I sort of agree with you on the outcome side. Um, so I used to do a lot of performance improvement plans mm-hmm. and I used to do a lot and, and I was a feedback sort of was, I mean, I, I worked hard to give feedback and I got a lot of people who hadn't received that in their career. Oh yeah. That's a, and, yeah. And my recovery rate, it's not me, but my recovery rate was above 90%. So, and what I mean by that is people given feedback, uh, perform well mm-hmm. so i'm a, so i i think you want to tell what i'm trying to tease apart yeah, I guess the point of attack isn't always pretty mm-hmm. but if you look at the outcome did, did that person digest it did they embrace it did they do something about it i've actually seen that like 90 percent of people plus or minus do something with it and and given given congruent honest feedback yeah they be they they attack it and they become great performers and 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 that's something that I want to talk through for folks that are out there that might be trying to figure out how to have that discussion is do not allow the immediate emotional reaction to be the thing that defines success or failure. Because so often people have been mistreated over and over again by not having received any feedback from people that were in a position where they could help. And now all of a sudden there's feedback and they don't know how to handle it. To your point, they get defensive or emotions come up and they start creating things um, out of fear that aren't there. But once they're allowed to process it, then I think we end up in the it's received very well. So be patient, be understanding that, especially if they rarely receive the feedback, that it might be shocking and don't allow that first response to define that's, success that's what or I'm failure. Really saying. Yeah. I mean, that Peter guy I was talking about. He came into my office. He was transferred to my team, and I gave him. You probably heard me tell the story again. I gave him a pip. Mm-hmm. So it's like, welcome to my team, Peter. Right. I'm putting you on because no one else did it, and because you're not being transferred in here as a bonus. You're getting transferred in here because this is the last place you're going to land before we terminate you. Mm-hmm. I need to put you on a performance improvement plan. Well, Jim had all blown smoke up his butt, giving him a promotion, giving him more money. And never actually giving him any concrete feedback. So Peter uh, was destroyed. I mean, he was blindsided. Uh, he was emotional. He had to go home for a few days to like let it settle. Mm-hmm. But he became one of our top five developers in the in the group. Uh, and he performed. And that's what I'm saying. It's not the top five, but yeah, I, I I'm convinced it's a sucky leadership problem. Or a sucky communication problem. I'm I'm absolutely convinced that human beings want to do the right thing, mm-hmm. and if given the right feedback, um, a huge percentage of them, nearly like ninety percent or more. So there's only an outlier, only a few people who really struggle 
but most folks just want to not only do they want to perform but they'll 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 grab the feedback and they'll take it mm -hmm. and they'll run with it mm -hmm. and i've seen that i've seen that hundreds of times over and over and over again but on the flip side to this question why is it a hard bit because most folks avoid it like the plague, yeah. right? They avoid this stuff. You don't. Yeah. And you've seen and you've built and you've seen what it does, like what it does in hiring, mm -hmm. what it does in performance. I mean, what it does in setting teams up for success. Yeah. It's and, and the words that I used were intentional about you were doing a disservice to a fellow employee and just another human by not helping them. Like that, like you were opting to take the easy road at the expense of another person. That's really what's happening of, Oh, it's too hard. So I'm going to make my life easier and not have the discussion when in reality that makes your life easier, but it sets their, their future up to have another hurdle that they don't need. It's hard enough to establish yourself in the software world and to get good and to find the right job and have a nice career path and have all that growth. It's even harder when leaders aren't supporting you and they're opting out and taking the easy way out. So whether you are a leader or you are a team member, yep. you have a responsibility to help. Like that's like we, we, we operate in teams. Yeah. One of the best ways you can help your team perform is by helping other teammates perform better. Yeah. You know, and so that's, that's one of the things that we want to talk about. We can talk about inside the team. If Bob and I are working together and I'm not doing as well as I had or as well as Bob thinks I could, I would hope Bob would reach out and have a discussion and help me realize that I'm off course or help educate me on something that I didn't know about. And then that should enable me to take off the way Bob thinks I could. I mean, I'd encourage Metacasters to read the book or at least go to a video. Kim Scott uh, does, wrote the book Radical Candor. And she has like a 15, she has several 15 or 20 minute videos of her speaking and explaining what Radical Candor is. And I think in all, most of them, she talks about it being a moral obligation. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's not an option. It's a moral, it's just like you have a moral obligation to vote or, I don't know, to teach your kids not to skill, you know, run over people with their cars or whatever. You have a moral obligation in her view to give people feedback as leaders. Uh, the other cool thing she talks about, Josh, is it's not, it's not just your job as a leader. It's creating an ecosystem where other people give feedback. So very often, and you alluded to this, very often people mirror the leader. Yeah. Right. So if the leader's opting out or being lazy or whatever, then everyone else is sort of looking at that. Oh, that's the norm. Uh, and she talks about, well, you know, I, not only do you, can you fail as a leader to get to have a radical candor conversation, mm -hmm. but you can fail to set up a culture where radical candor naturally happens from, from all directions. Right. Like you can receive it, mm -hmm. you send it, uh, other peers are, so it's not just our job. I think it's beyond. I think you want to look at the world, particularly in teams, where it's not just the leader's job to have it. It's the leader's job to set the right. the example so that it's naturally happening in 360 degrees. Yeah. Here's, here's a story that um, may help some folks out there. When I was working real hard to establish a culture 
like this. There was an engineer quite shy who was very good, very adept at recognizing when I was going down the wrong path. And he would call me out on it. And it was wonderful. And I would celebrate it in front of the entire organization. There were 70 plus people of it. And I would talk about Brandon. Brandon came to me and said, Josh, I think you're going down the wrong path. And here's why. And we had a discussion and daggone, he was right. And, And so I would just praise the heck out of him. He came to me and said, Josh, I'm really uncomfortable when you praise me in front of the group. So I'd like to ask if you don't do that anymore. And I said, Brandon, I appreciate the uncomfortable nature that I put you in, but here's why I did that and why I think it's important that I keep doing that. So I'd like you to understand the rationale behind this. One of the things that we're trying to do is create a culture where this is not only encouraged, but this becomes the norm. Absolutely. And you are leading the charge on this. So I need to shine a light on you doing this so that others can step up and do the same thing across the board. And he was still uncomfortable, still didn't like it, but he said, okay, I get it. I think I can deal with that. And so from then on, that started to snowball as people start to see, oh, that's that's what we're looking for. Exactly. You're, you're setting the tone. And I mean, I'm empathetic to his, his sort yeah. of discomfort, but it's the greater good of the organization. Yeah. You're setting, you were setting the tone for feedback across the entire team, the mm-hmm. ecosystem, right? It's not just, it's not just downward. That's the point. In fact, I don't know if downward, just downward from the powers that be from leaders is, is that sustainable? Because we're not going to observe everything, yeah. right? Uh, at scale, it becomes unscalable. So it's really are you setting that tone. Uh, I would really encourage you, Metacasters, radical candor. Now, don't abuse it. Uh, I talk about uh, you have to earn it. So in order to give radical candor, you need to show everyone that you can receive radical, like you can take it yeah. and you can do something with it because it's so much easier to give it than to receive it. But um, so do it with responsibility. Uh, but it's it's a wonderful I think it's a wonderful book and it's a wonderful metaphor. And I love her response. It's like a responsibility driven view. So I think if you're doing that, so that leads into term. If you want to switch into termination, I don't know if you do. I'm, I'm not ready there. Yeah. Oh, you're not here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Go a couple ahead. more things. One of the things that I really wrestled with in trying to have these conversations the first time was that I was used to, because I was an engineer if there was a bug, I could go fix it. I go in, I change my code, I check it in, mm-hmm. builds run, green lights happen, everybody's happy. And I had gotten into this pattern where I assumed humans worked like that. So I felt like, hey, I could sit down and have a conversation with Susan, and Susan would hear me, and she would process it, and a change would be made. But what I learned over time of mistake after mistake after mistake was that there is no Susan.config that she can go in and say, oh, okay, Josh, Josh thinks I could do better at this. So let me go change this. No, it's a, it's an evolution that people have to go through in shedding old habits and building new ones. So don't walk into a, a discussion with a peer or anybody else where you're giving feedback and expect that feedback to be fully consumed and implemented like the next day or even the next week. Just 
know that it's going to take time for this person to make those changes and support them along the way and help them recognize the progress that they're making and celebrate that. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll plus one to that, but also I'm going to build on it. It's, it's not just giving it. So people receive feedback in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so the first time you do it, I talk, I talk in, in my Cal class, I taught, we do a lot of communication. I just did one last week and I didn't even talk to these guys about it, but I talk about the outcome side of the conversation. So you're not done by having the conversation in my world. You're, you're only done is if it's, if they start changing. So you own, like if I'm a communicator, if I'm providing feedback, I not only own giving it, but I own how are they receiving it. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't own that infinitely. Some people don't receive it. That might, you know, a percentage yeah. of people will never receive it, but most will. But let's say I tell, you know, you tell a, you're sitting down with a young engineer and you tell a football story. And that's the way you communicate. You, you use, use some football analogies mm -hmm. and they nod their head and you're like, you're thinking, oh man, I really look at that. They resonated with me. And then later on, a week later, you're like, oh, you know, nothing's really changed. And so then you might want to, so if you, if you just give yourself credit for the communication, you've had it, right? You can walk off to someone else. Mm -hmm. I would say your job's not done. Yeah. So you need another try and don't go in there with football again. Mm -hmm. right? Football didn't land, yeah. right? So you need to land something else. So maybe you try to be maybe clear, maybe like really sort of simple and clear your behavior, right? You're writing crappy code. There's too many bugs or something. So, you know, you try to be clear and see if that resonates. Uh, and then you look again a week or two later. Is it, are they, did they come back to you and ask a question or mm -hmm. whatever? Did, are they trying? Uh, so I think there's the outbound side. And I think as communicators, we want to try to land with different approaches. So you might try a storytelling approach or a personal approach, or you might try to role model, say, Hey, you know, have you noticed these engineers do it this way? Have you learned from that? So you're sort of probing to see, am I getting my point across? Do you, does that land with you? That you, that is our job. Like, like not everyone receives it the same, yeah. the, with the, with the same delivery. Mechanism. Yeah. I, so there, there's, there's, you have to figure out what connects yeah. with each person. But I think the point that you made that we should really focus on is that your decision to provide feedback isn't a momentary thing. It's an investment because it's not going to journey. Like right? a switch is not going to flip. So I think Ever. you did a much better job of explaining that of it's an ongoing investment to help them get there yeah. because you know what, if they knew how to get there, they'd already be there. Right. So now you are stepping in and helping. And maybe this is where people start to opt out as they start to think about, or maybe they don't think, maybe it's just the first conversation hard enough, but then they think, oh my gosh, like for me to really help this person, like I'm going to, I'm going to have to spend significant but time. But that's helping. the point. That's the laziness point yeah. or the hard work point or you're not done. See, I think, I think if folks have it, like everyone is hoping, oh, I, you know, magic is going to happen after one yeah. five minute conversation. Right. It doesn't. It requires hard work, at least in my experience. And we're not even talking about performance improvement plans no. here. We're talking about normal. I'm talking, we're talking about practice. We're talking about normal, like feedback and normal, like internalize the feedback and behavior changes. And that just takes time. Yeah. Right. Now I'm, Medicasters, I'm not saying infinitely do that. 
Right. Let's say you, you vary your communication, you know, three months go by and you varied your communication and nothing is really progressing. Then you may have, this may not be a failure to communicate. This may. All be. right. So then let's transition to, I feel like I've done everything I can. Yep. I've invested a ton of time with one of my peers and they're not getting it and I don't know what else to do. What do we do then? That's, that's the question that's on the table. Do you, Run to management waving your hands? Do you just shut down and say, well, I guess I have to deal with this forever? Like, what? what is the best path forward for a team member that has done everything they can and the team, team member is not recognizing or making the changes that you I think you partner with leader. So let's, let's have a double dipper here. Let's hit the team member but hit leadership because mm-hmm. leadership struggle. You know that leaders struggle with this as well, right? right? So the team member side is um, – you know, I think I th- I actually would suggest that you engage management of that whoever the manager or leader of that person is earlier than you've exhausted mm-hmm. all possibilities. Like you're at your last thread, I'd say maybe halfway. So walk back, whatever walk back, like halfway, and so you've tried a few things, and then at some point your little spider sense is going off. Mm-hmm. But you haven't got you're not nearly at the end of your rope, whatever that means. Then I would I would actually talk to the manager of that person, and you're not. I think sometimes people think like there's what is it? You're squealing on them or something, or mm-hmm. you're you're ratting them out. I actually look at it as like you're partnering with the manager, so that you're both coaching the performance of that yeah. person. So you're not now you're not going it alone. So you have a partner, and you might meet with them occasionally, once a week, once every two weeks, and share. Stories of, oh, what did you try? What mm-hmm. am I trying? Or mm-hmm. something like that. If if you're comfortable with that. But I, I think you have to activate leadership, right? That's their job, right? And in theory, that person should have more practice and might be able to pr- provide you with some Strategy. hints and tips or things yeah. to try to enable you to be successful. That's, that. that's why I'm saying partner, yeah. right, is right. really partner. I mean, my experience as a leader in agile organizations is folks came to me early on. So so probably 80% of the time, plus or minus, I had to actually, you know, what have you done? And the answer was nothing. My first step was coming to you, Mm -hmm. and I wanted you to do something magical. And I would actually push back on the person. I'm like, no, I'm not not going to take action if you've taken zero, Mm -hmm. right? And very often it was zero. I mean, or they can be a hint or something. Uh, and I'm like, you got to do something within the context of your role in the team. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I operate the same way. And usually the initial response is fear and panic <laughs> right? because they recognize a problem yep. and they don't know what to do. So they come and ask for help. And then you turn it around and say, no, actually, this is something I'd like you to try. And that's when a leader needs to step in and support that person exactly. and, and provide them with anything and anything anything and everything that they need to do to start having the discussion yep. and hopefully have some success. So don't, don't just be that person and be like, I don't know if you talk to him. Okay. Well then go talk to him. Like, like yeah. they are clearly coming to you or I because they don't know what to do. So that's a, that's a, I need help. So as a leader, step in and help that person and provide them with some framework, some support, some education a little to bit, go though. have a, yeah. I'm going to challenge you back there a little bit 
There's a lot of times where folks are they're looking for a get out of jail free card because it's so uncomfortable, right? Right, and you so, might so I think you might be able ideas. to figure that, out, and you might be able to figure that out pretty quickly. Yeah, um, but I think you'll know the kind of person you have and the kind of people that you've hired that they're problem solvers. And but the but but the problem is that this is again why we're talking about this. This is one of those hard things that is practiced very little. Yep, and the first time is super scary. So from a team, but but from a team perspective, I don't know. It is scary. I'm not devaluing it. But from a team member perspective, you do what you can and what you're comfortable with, and then as soon as you and and pretty soon you engage leadership mm-hmm. as a partner, and at some point it's their job to terminate that person, or it's their yeah. job to coach their performance in a more serious way. Uh, leading to possible termination. So then you're sort of off the hook is what I'm saying. You're still in the team. You're still dealing with that. You still have to positively deal with that person. You still have to be optimistic. You still have to be supportive of that person. You can't talk about the conversation. So there's confidentiality that mm-hmm. you have to maintain respect and confidentiality. That's something people have a hard time with sometimes. Yeah. And they really have to do that. So that you have to just sort of and trust that the manager is doing their job behind the scenes. So that's that. Now on the flip side, managers, it's still scary for a lot of a lot I like I don't think a lot of folks fire folks. No, mm-hmm. you know. No, it is unfortunate. It is, it is not and that's not the goal, but folks don't have that experience. Um or they think that they can go to HR and HR will help or do it for them or, you know, or they wait forever or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the start of that process is partnering with someone on the team. Um, another step would be getting, uh, like observing the team more. So if you haven't been observing like events, like stand-ups, and mm-hmm. so you probably want to observe more. Mm-hmm. But not the individual, but the team, then the dynamics, so that you can get more you know, sort of insights into what's going on. You have to start coaching that individual. If you haven't been, you have to start actively coaching them. Mm-hmm. Uh, most organizations have a PIP process, a performance improvement plan process, uh, which I think the essence is, and you, you're much more recent than this mm-hmm. than I am, but it's more documentation. You have to start, as you go down in the process, you need written documentation that talks about what you ask the person to do and how did they deliver, mm-hmm. right? So it's more so evidence, like it's evidence-based documentation around requests and then the lack of response and things. Well, and I find that, unfortunately, performance improvement plans provide clarity on expectations that weren't provided before. That's a that's a common fumble that I see oh, made absolutely. across the organization is that Hey, we're going to tell you what we expect from you. And, oh, you didn't know this before? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, in reality, that's that's the leader's fault. But in the end, it's viewed as the person's fault for not knowing that when the leader didn't set up clear expectations and job Absolutely. descriptions and things like that. So oftentimes, it's a bit of a, a shock to the system of like, hey, this is what we're asking you to do. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, so that's another one of those really unfair things when done well with good leadership across the board, then it is, Hey, these are the things that for us to see the progress that we're making together on solving this problem. These are, these are the milestones. This is, this is the definition of done. This is, this is how we together have validated that. Okay. We're cool. We're going forward. Yep. 
the performance is, uh, I'm wondering how you react to this. I, I think it's valid. Performance has been, uh, I've, so there's hard performance. If, if it's a developer, then it's how are they writing code, creating designs and things like that. But there's also an agile context, soft performance. So I've done performance improvement plans on someone who couldn't do their job, their technical aspects of their job. Um, or they couldn't, or quality wasn't there or right. something like that. But I've equally, if not greater in agile context, someone was like, they were, they were an adequate developer, but they sucked at being a team member for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. So soft skills, yeah, right. Collaborative skills. And I would terminate. So we would have a performance improvement plan on the soft side of the equation. Have you seen that as well? So yeah. Sort of. It's not, I just, would say not there's one. A, yeah. There, there, for my history, there's a tremendous imbalance it's very rare in fact it's hard for me to think of a person that we went down that path because they just were technically incapable that's what i'm saying it wasn't that it was more around whether they choose to operate as a team member or not and that really was the most common no i can think of one person one yep i can think of one person where it was just just not capable to do the job and they were promoted beyond their skills and no one had helped them along the way and educated them. They just kept getting promotions and now it was that level. And like, like we talked about earlier, like they just were never given the feedback of like this, this is what the job is. And so, and interestingly, that person thanked me after firing them. They thanked me for giving them the feedback and showing them what the job was and wasn't, and they were okay. They didn't want to continue to do, to do the job because it's not what they thought it was. So, so that enabled them to go find a job that made them happy. Um, so that was an interesting situation. I've, I've actually served as uh, references for people that I've fired. It's yeah. a little awkward. I mean, for other people, it's not awkward for me. I can sort of compartmentalize it. Mm-hmm. And, and understand what I'm doing. Uh, I've had, I've had firms call me up and it's like, yeah, I terminated Bob, mm-hmm. but, but this is, this is what the, you know, and you can't divulge all of the details, but I could talk about, you know, this is, this is where Bob's strengths are. Mm-hmm. This is where, this is, no, so here, let me explain what we didn't terminate Bob on. Right. Bob is an incredible yeah. developer. He has incredible technical chops in this area. Right. Uh, or, or whatever it was. And, uh, he has leadership chops. Uh, he has a sense of where he's at. So, so I think I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but coming back to termination, I think you have to be a straight shooter. Yeah. You have to just, so if you're, if you're fluffy in pre conversations, if you get to performance improvement plans, you got to just cut through the crap and just be a straight freaking shooter. You got to tell someone what they need to do. You got to hold them accountable to that. Uh, you got to be really consistent, right? You can't just raise the bar for mm-hmm. them or lower the bar for them. So whatever your bar is. Uh, but I also, you have to be patient. So it is a performance. I've never gone into a PIP, you know, thinking that I'm going to fire this person. I've gone into a PIP thinking of it's, I've emphasized the I, the improvement, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So in my brain, I'm trying to work with them and partner with them to get to improvement. Yeah, I I don't, in fact, I've seen leaders and organizations that 
they they artificially go through it and i've i've never i've never played that game like they they'll go through the game like there's no you're on a pit but there's no chance you're ever going to survive it mm-hmm. and they and they put someone through the colds for that stuff so i've never i've never wanted to participate in that so uh be a straight shooter tell it like it is follow the process Whatever, usually the pips have like, you know, weeks and, you know, like 10 weeks or eight. They have a period, right? Uh, there's an entry, there's mm-hmm. an exit, mm-hmm. there's weekly. When I've done them, you know, yeah. you meet someone on Monday, you close out the week on Friday. Yeah. Right. You talk about, did you have a win this week or, you know, was there a pass this week or a fail this week? If you have three strikes or whatever your constraints were in the mm-hmm. pip, mm-hmm. you talk about, there's absolute clarity. And I find if, if I'm that way, then termination actually takes care of itself. Yeah. Do you, do you, does that yeah. resonate with you? Yeah. So, there, so there's a couple things. One, the thing you said that is the magic in that is that if I was squishy and pre count conversations. So one thing I try and do in my one-on-one, every one-on-one, um, is if there's something negative to talk about it, we need to talk about it. Yeah. And yeah. the smaller, the better, right? Because what, what happens is that then you start making those conversations comfortable, If you wait until you're up against it and it's the last moment and it's dire straits and you're trying to have that hard discussion, it's going to be harder, right? So start along the way in your one-on-ones or anything you can to provide little bits of feedback to start to set the groundwork of this is a safe space. Anytime that I say something or I say, I think you can get better at this, it doesn't mean I think you're terrible. It just means I think you can get better, you know, like, LeBron James can get better at things yeah. and he's one of the best players in the world, but he views the world as what can I get better at? So you're, you're trying to set that stage. So that's something very powerful that you can do to enable when you make it to that stage to set up the framework and the discussions to be more productive. Welcome to our series of discussions as Bob and I figure out how to help the black lives matter and other social injustice movements. I feel comfortable with that intro. I feel better. Okay. Bob doesn't. It's not that I'm uncomfortable. I'm not judging the intro. I'm I'm coming up empty on the topic. <laughs> right. Okay. So I I will talk about some of the things that have happened in this last week. Uh last time we talked, I said I was gonna go have a discussion with a close uh friend Did of you mine. Did you have that? Um as we were so this topic that we're discussing is very apropos in that it was scary to do this. And I placed the phone call on my drive over here. So I, so I like delayed it and delayed it and delayed it. Did you really? I did. And on the way over here, I placed the call, left a voicemail. So I didn't have the discussion again because I knew I was coming here. Like you, like you can't do it. You can't go to Bob's house and not have placed this call and tried to have the discussion. So I, I've been ready. Like I plan to do it this weekend, but just like we talked about in this episode, I, I delayed it and I was scared and, but I, but I finally did it, but there's no real update. But it's hard. I I mean, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to bust your chops on that. Even if I want, even if it, it's, it's like, these are hard conversations. Um, there's a member of my family, you know, there's, I had a, a conversation with my daughter. I, we were sharing about that mm-hmm. the other day. My daughter's a social worker in New York City, and she's a director of uh, training and development there. And she's involved, not by herself, 
but they're involved in all of these diversity conversations and they have a highly diverse uh, uh, set of employees mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's, they do a lot of child social work and they're, they're just struggling. So here you have people who do or are closer to diversity mm-hmm. as a day-to-day practice. Um, they have people of color as working colleagues. They've had, you know, that's their normal mix. So they're more women and more people of color mm-hmm. than a lot of companies probably. And they're still struggling. I won't get into the details, but my daughter and I were talking about they're still struggling yeah. just even having conversations. Right. And, um, you know, what, what things around, what do the white, you know, is it white driven? Is it black driven? Mm-hmm. Is it somewhere in the between? Uh, do, uh, do, do, what can do whites deserve? And this is where Rihanna, do they deserve any empathy whatsoever in the workplace or do they just sit there and get, you know, is it, is now the time where it flips Mm -hmm. and where, you you know, ye are now judged, right? Right, Yeah. So we, we will judge you or, or something. So getting the balance right uh, is incredibly hard right now. Yeah. Um, So I've mentioned in previous episodes, uh, a book I, I actually started reading this weekend, so you want to talk about race and it's been in the 35 pages I've read. It's been very informative and, and, um, I think for the first time ever, I can honestly use these words when talking about a book. It is thought provoking. I think that term is used on a lot of yeah. novels yep. and stories. Um, but this is the first time ever where it has helped me think through things in ways and about things I've never thought of before, which is, which is some of the challenge that has created the position that we're in as a country or as a world even. Um, so that's been beneficial for me. So I I did have a conversation with, so Tom Hendrickson is, uh, there's an online conference coming up Mm -hmm. and I'm a track chair. It's not really, it's not a huge conference, but I'm a, he's got like, track chairs and keynoters mm-hmm. it's online and i have a little mini track of like four to five interviews of people and people have been submitting talk ideas mm-hmm. but it's not so much of a it's more of a an interview conversation than it is a presentation a mm-hmm. thematic interview or something and he was talking about we we talked about diversity and i did my personal spiel with him of like how i've discovered that you can't, and he was doing the Bob Galen thing of, I've emailed, you know, I've sent out, I've sent out emails saying, I want people to come and submit. But he was saying, we don't have enough, uh, the women, we have, an, he has a women in agile track. Mm-hmm. He's like, there's not enough women in the women in agile track. And I'm like, what about diversity? He says, there's not enough diversity. And he's like, last year we had three, three black guys present. And, uh, you know, one or two of them are busy this year. And I don't know how. And I'm like, Tom, so I gave him the, the same pitch my daughter gave me. It's like, well, that's not good. Sending email is not good enough. You actually yeah. have to reach out to people, work hard, uh, reach out to people to reach out to people to reach out to people. You have to get up with your butt mm-hmm. if you want to. So, like, diversity isn't easy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, and you have to, like, expand your network. You may have limited. You may not know any people of color. Okay. Right. Don't just sit there and lament, well, if I knew, if I knew, <laughs> no, yeah. well, then what are you doing to expand that universe, right? Yeah. And he received it really, we were talking about that, and he received it really well. He okay. is in a position to change that, mm-hmm. right, from, from a conference point of view. But, but and we were trying, but it's hard work, yeah. right? It's yeah. just hard, and, and it's dogged work, and no one's going to applaud you. 
because mm-hmm. we should have been doing it freaking anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So, right. so you're not going to get all this applause or all these right. kudos. It's just the right thing to do. So just as a reminder, um, whether you like this segment or not, um, our goal is to continue to shine a light and do our part to prevent focus from being lost on the work, the hard work that we need to do, as Bob said, to stop the systematic issues that we have and enable a better future for everybody. Our kids, our grandkids, our peers, our neighbors, all of those things. Um, so that's something that Bob and I are committed to of keeping this front and center. So I have a weird idea. Yeah. Ooh, this, ooh, I like this. It's you just inspired me. Oh, good. Okay. I'm scared. What if we invited someone to this section? Okay. To, to help us. Okay. Like every once in a while, even every time we record, I, I know there's technical difficulties or something like that, mm-hmm. but I'm saying we reach out to our networks, mm-hmm. we invite someone in, uh, a person of color, mm-hmm. uh, a woman, mm-hmm. and we start getting their, like, I don't know, maybe they can help us figure out what we can do. Okay. Uh, it, it increases our listeners. So what if we bring diversity to the Metacast? Okay. You mean we should do what we're saying, Bob? Yeah, that was my epiphany. I feel like that's okay, my epiphany. Let's do it. Okay. I mean, right? there's, a, like, there you uh, go. there's one young lady. There's a young lady I'll introduce you to in Dallas. Lizette Zolan is her last name. She was in my Cal class. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a black woman. Uh, so a black woman uh, who's establishing her own business. Mm-hmm. She has her own podcast. I think she's like on version one, mm-hmm. like you know, the first recording or yeah. the second. Uh, she invited my daughter in. She's she's wonderful. Uh, and and there's a, there's other there's a few other folks that come to mind mm-hmm. that we could invite. I don't know what the technical things are, but but maybe yeah, we have to a, figure that maybe out. Maybe for a fifteen minute, yeah. Maybe we could even the three of us could get onto a Zoom and stitch something in, yeah. But practice what we preach, maybe with a different perspective each week. Sounds good. What do you think? Right. Let's try it. Okay. Metacasters, cross our hearts. Yep. We're going to try something. I would love to do that. Okay. Because I don't, that would, I'm going to learn. The reason I'm excited, not just practice what we preach, but I'm really, you know, it's like I'm a sponge. Mm-hmm. Help me figure out where I can make a difference. Cool. Cool. So are we done? I, I think we are. So. On to the episode? Yep. So, okay. So, last thing I want to talk about is you've done everything you can. It didn't work. Termination is the only answer. And you have to walk in that room with another person and inform them that they don't have a job anymore. And that's your responsibility to do that. Right. That's hard. You know, I'm I'm good at not disagree, but I'm going to say the reason I work the PIP process and the communication and dealing with someone in human to human is to make that not hard. Mm-hmm. Right. So those events for me, they should be non-events. Right. Right. They're still freaking hard. Yeah. Like before I've terminated, I always lose sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm always in my bed the night before, and I always want to be. I always want to freaking lose sleep. I mean, what what do I want to sleep like a baby, right? And be, right, yeah. and be until the dawn, right? Right. So I, but I mean, I'm like, I'm fit to be. I'm just upset. I'm just upset, 
and I'm an emotional leader anyway. And I always look at it as like I failed a little bit, mm -hmm. even though I followed right, the yeah, process, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so, so that's a hard meeting, but I f it's what drives me through the pit process. I like pit, not like I trust the process. If you really engage in the process, then that person knows. Like if you've established an agreement yeah. that we're going to have three strikes, Josh. Mm -hmm. Right, three failed weeks in a row with fair expectations that we clearly communicate. And you know, and I'm telling you, Josh, look me in the eye, I'm mm -hmm. not faking. We are going to terminate you with three failed weeks. Mm -hmm. We said that back five weeks ago. You know it's coming. It's not a surprise. We've participated in this, and it just hasn't worked out. Then I think those meetings are, are okay. They're hard but fair. Is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. And clear. Yeah. Uh, um, the one piece of advice that I received that really helped me, I think, handle those in a more comfortable way is so often in movies or TV, you see somebody start the conversation like this was a really hard decision and I didn't want to do this. Don't say that, right? Because what you're what what is happening for this person is infinitely harder than the situation that you're in that you decided to oh make absolutely this move, right so, but 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 there are so many people me included right. that did that that I'll like make, you make it about you right exactly you make it about you like oh. like this like listen I want you to know this was really hard on uh, me you know it's no, not about you it's no, about that no. person so please don't do that I've no. done it I'm embarrassed I'm That's ashamed a, but somebody helped me and said listen don't do that and here's no. why so it's not about you it's about them. Be honest, respectful, supportive in whatever way you can and help them transition. That that's a that's a key that I've always tried to do is that I try and help people find new jobs. Again, because they're not bad people. They're not bad it's, people. It's just not the right fit. So let's work together to find you the right fit where you're happy and the company's happy. Well, let's let's, let's meeting, do though. that. We're not doing yeah. so. I'll hit, that meeting should be five minutes or less. Yeah. Right. That meeting should be not about you, but about them. That meeting should be uh, HRs here, and they're going to explain what the process for and the benefits. You're mm -hmm. going to have concerns about your last pays. Yeah. You know, HR is going to go through all of that detail with you. So HR is here. We've made a decision. So you don't want to negotiate. You don't want to apologize. Mm -hmm. You don't want to go into the details because you've worked the pip. Right. So it's it's really like five minutes is yep. doing it. That's a long. Yeah. You, you don't want to belabor it. It's just we have decided that, that your performance no longer meets our expectations at this company. And we are going to part ways. And if you've done a good job in their performance improvement plan, there's no surprises. There's no. Just like you said. And if you've done a good job coaching one-on-ones, the performance improvement plan is not a surprise. You've been, so, you've been right. fair. Yeah. You've been communicative. You've been open. Uh, you've had the right mind, hopefully, where yeah. you've been trying to partner, with, not over-own it, but partner with them every step of the way. Uh, they've been, they see, they, they, I mean, it's not like you're mailing them a letter, right? Right. They're, they're along the ride in the process. Uh, the other thing I didn't say is it's, they own their performance improvement. I've seen managers mm -hmm. and leaders who during the PIP process try to own it for them. Yeah. 
right? By overtelling them or it's like helping them with the quiz. It's you don't, they, they have to own their performance. They have to own the details of it. They have to own responsibility for it. So along the way. So I don't know if it's, it's such a bad event. Uh, you don't want to talk about their families. You don't want to, it's just, you want it to yeah. be, I, I was actually, one of the things I learned is how quick, I mean, literally I've done termination meetings. It's like probably 90 seconds or something. Mm-hmm. Um, now H the HR discussion is a little bit more detailed. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's the exit. Uh, right. The other thing is, the other thing is getting them out of the building is always something like I tried to be humane with that. Mm-hmm. Like, do they want to pack up now? Uh, I don't know if people still pack nowadays, but yeah. it used to be something of how do you want to leave? So I've actually gone in after hours and met with people. Yep. What, whatever. That's the other thing I'm really trying to say is try to handle them with dignity and mm-hmm. respect. Yeah. I, I, I also offer them uh, how they would like to inform the rest of the organization. Exactly. That if you'd like me to take care of that or if you'd like to say something, I'm fine with that. Whatever whatever you think is most appropriate and beneficial for you, I'll support you in that. So if you're out there and you get to the final meeting and it's termination and that's the, the direction that you're going and it's feels more uncomfortable than Bob and I just described work backwards, figure out where you could have invested more sooner, earlier, more often so that a you're you're more effective in your job and b you provide the clarity to that person that's working their tail off trying to improve in whatever way just hoping to be provided with some guidance on what good looks like i feel like unfortunately that's where a lot of the misses are is that they're running in one direction but you're at but you in your mind you're expecting them to run a different direction but they don't know it um so if you get to that final stage and it's more uncomfortable than we talked about the responsibility is on you. Absolutely. To go figure out how you can do better. And, next and you know what? That's how Josh and I sound experienced because we are. Yeah. Uh, but we <laughs> we learned that uh, there's there's sad news. HR departments, this is more of a learn as you go sort yeah. of process, I think, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. And learn experientially. You had someone who guided you. I've had multiple people. I mean, I once wanted to terminate someone. I went to HR and they didn't have a process. Mm hmm. Yep. So I was literally, yeah, I was there. literally making it up for yeah. freaking HR. Yeah. I mean, that shocks the cr- the crap out of me. So, um, can, do we have time for one more point? Sure. Um, it's so people may want to know. So I let Josh go, mm, right? Okay. okay. I let Josh go, and uh, and Josh was well loved mm-hmm. and well respected. And maybe people weren't aware of the performance issues I was coaching Josh on, or they weren't fully aware of the impact it was. So he was, and you, and if you know Josh, he's he's an incredible, lovable, oh, the best, best guy. And so I go through this whole process, and then Josh is gone, and a ripple comes through the organization of like, how the hell could you have like let go of Josh? The earth is coming to an end. And as a leader, Josh, can we explain our criteria and our justifications and how hard we worked and just... No. And the answer is no. (laughs) Uh, Can we support ourselves? No. All we say is we went through the... You correct me if I'm wrong. Right. We followed our process. I worked really hard with Josh. It wasn't a surprise. And Josh is no longer with us. 
and I wish him the very best. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. Yep. Uh, so you can't, so as much as you may, and this has actually bothered me a lot because I'm, I care about how people view me. Uh, but this is one of those hard bits of leadership. Mm -hmm. You can't defend yourself. You just have to walk through the valley of the shadow alone. Disagree with me, or, but I've I've seen people. I've seen leaders that get caught up in this, and they're yeah. like, and they start explaining everything. Yeah, yeah. So my my reaction is that if you end up there, you've done a poor job of defining what culture looks like. So they don't know what good looks like. Yeah. Right. And that, and I've had that reaction the most when I'm new somewhere. Yeah. So I'm new somewhere. haven't had a chance to establish. They don't know you. Right. They don't know me and I've worked with this person and, and it's just not a fit. And I'm still evolving the messaging to the organization to where it's clarity. And we talk about people like Brandon that are challenging in all the different directions and driving in the yep. right, right way. So that norm hasn't been established. So that's where, when I end up in that spot, that's a, Oh my gosh, I have to work harder to establish this norm. So, so that it's a, not apparent, but people can recognize people that aren't performing well. And in reality, the team starts to do it. The team starts to recognize and the team starts to say, Hey Josh, can you help out here? Cause this person's not but a I fit. I still think I agree with you. I still have found for me, Oh, bless his little heart. Yeah. There's yeah, always could, that. Yeah. There's, there's a, and so as a leader, I'm agreeing with what you said. It's just be prepared to walk the line alone. Maybe as a way to say, Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, and, I see what you're saying. And, and yeah. to walk the line to the best of your darn ability with the knowing that you made. And this again, it goes back to process. This is why the process is and fairness mm -hmm. and equity and hard work and clarity of communication. Uh, and, and just hope that your ethics and how you're establishing culture is going to roll out. But that's one of the hardest things for me. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you can't you can't explain. You yeah, can't explain. It, it's it's um and I found that as your career and or title progressive, however you however you tie those two together, maybe you don't. Um, there's an increased loneliness factor. Yeah, that there are things that are only appropriate for a certain few people to know, um, and you just have to deal with that. And there are times where, as much as you'd like to explain. You can't. You can't. You just can't. Right. So I wanted to. I wanted to sort of put that as a cherry on top. Yeah. Which is a challenge for for a lot of leaders. It's a challenge for me as well. Mm -hmm. um, do you think we we covered those first two points? We have some more hard bits coming up. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I think this is going to be a bit of a series. So. Do you think we? I, I think we were, were we empathetic enough? I mean, did we, do you think we were emotional? These are hard things, right? Yeah. I think we, uh, Metacasters, I hope you got, we're not, we're not whistling Dixie. We're not telling you it's easy. This is hard shit. Uh, and we're empathetic to how hard it is, but it's worthwhile yeah. because it's dealing with people, right? You're dealing and people given the feedback respond. Yeah. So, all right. For beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina. I'm Bob Gamble. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.